the first puppy visit is overwhelming for the pet owner because what they're getting from the breeder versus what they're getting at the veterinary hospital is slightly different. And again, overwhelming, you're getting a lot all at once. So being able to kind of take that time and have that conversation with them and just being able to answer every question for them too is highly important. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. Sometimes people come into your life at the perfect time. That's the case with Amanda McGarra. She does so many things in the pet space, including starting her own business last year. One of her roles is foster coordinator for a local animal shelter. You might have heard me declare on episode 230 a few weeks ago that I am going to foster a dog before the end of 2022. I decided that I must do this after talking to Suzanne Kogut, the president of Petco Love. She told me that if just 1 million people in the United States would foster a dog, we could essentially end euthanasia due to overcrowding. I was all fired up by that stat, and I told her on the spot that I would do it. But now I'm getting a little nervous. (laughs) So I was excited to be able to talk to Amanda about what to expect when fostering. She has five dogs of her own, one of which is a foster fail, and she's fostering one more right now. Oh, and did I mention that she has a nine-month-old baby? If she can do all that, I know I can foster one dog before the end of the year. But that's just a small part of this interview. We spend the bulk of the conversation talking about Amanda's new business, Scarlet Joe's Redemption. She educates new puppy parents and supports shelters and breeders in an effort to end early euthanasia and surrender to shelters. Working in the veterinary field and volunteering with shelters, she knows that this is a problem that needs attention. In addition to educating pet parents with an online course and membership community, I was interested to learn about the support and resources Amanda also provides to breeders. They can get inundated with inquiries and questions, so Amanda offers a service where she can weed out the people who are interested in the breed for the wrong reasons. You'll be inspired by the creativity that Amanda brings to her business. She saw a problem, and she's come up with a bunch of solutions to solve it from different angles, with pet parents, with breeders, and with shelters. She is really making an impact. Speaking of finding the right people at the right time, I have to mention that Where Wagger Pete Society is open for enrollment right now. This community has grown to be such an inspiring and supportive group of women in the pet industry. Members get access to monthly themed lessons taught by myself and the occasional guest expert, plus three virtual meetups every single month. I absolutely Love the conversations that we have in these meetups. This is not like any other membership that you're in. For example, in our hot seats call, we might talk about the ethics of 
dogs being used to taste test new treats and food, the pros and cons of doing consulting work where you don't get the credit, launch strategies for a new dog accessories subscription box, or how to form an LLC. It's business strategy with dog people, and I know that you're going to love it. Membership is only open for five days, though, so please click right over to wherewagrepeat.com slash society and sign up today. I can't wait to see you in there. Amanda McGarrah's mission to help animals started in her teens when she worked as a kennel assistant. She worked her way up in the veterinary field from being a surgery tech to working with animals for physical therapy and currently working in sales for a veterinary supplement company. In addition to being a foster coordinator for a local animal shelter, Amanda decided to start her own canine business last year. Her business was inspired by a three-week-old bull terrier at the animal hospital who was facing euthanasia or owner surrender. Amanda jumped in to help the puppy and realized that she needed to do more to educate pet owners so that this didn't happen to anyone else. Her platform, Scarlet Joe's Redemption, is where she educates pet owners and offers a service for breeders to support their puppy-parent communication. When Amanda isn't finding ways to help the human and canine population, you can find her reading entrepreneurial books, paddleboarding with her furry friends, and spending time with family. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Thank you for having me. Speaking of family, we heard a couple cute little cuckoo cuckoos in the background um, because you do have a baby in your lap right now. I do. It's perfect timing that he decided he needed to eat right now. So yes. <laughs> well, he's just, he's starting. Is, is this his first podcast appearance? This is. Yes. Famous already. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's too loud. No, no, it's okay. We we welcome babies. I don't want any babies here at my house, but if they're your house on Zoom, that's totally cool. Um <laughs> and, and we can talk about dogs um all day long and and your little boy, he can just kind of absorb all the doggy goodness. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, so tell us about your business. It is called Scarlet Joe's Redemption, and it is named after that little puppy, Scarlet Joe, who I believe still lives with you, right? Yes. Yes, she does. So the business started in 2021, and the idea came from the fact that Scarlet Joe was facing euthanasia or surrender. So I felt there was a need to educate pet owners. Um, you know, I had been in the veterinary industry for about 14 years and so many people would come in with things that they could easily avoid. Um, just, you know, diabetes, for example, we would see so many cases of people not really even understanding that dogs can get diabetes and then the care that it takes to take care of them when it happens, they're not ready or financially ready to take care of that. So um, I'm very passionate about those those little things that can really help the future of them and their pet. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's so important. Um, and, and people who've been listening here for a while might remember, I got certified in pet first aid and CPR earlier this year. And I was taking this class. It was an all-day thing. Um, I think it was like, it wasn't that extensive to take, but it, I think it was like 
75 or $85 or something like that. So it wasn't like crazy expensive, but expensive enough to kind of be prohibitive for some pet parents, but more so just the time involved, you know, like sitting there for six hours or something. A lot of people can't do that. And I've had dogs for 20 years, but I was sitting there like, oh my God, I never knew this. I never knew that. Like I was learning so many things and I wish that all pet parents could get that kind of education. Um, and so that's sounds like you kind of were had the same thinking and now you have a membership for pet parents to kind of deliver this information in an easy, affordable way. Right? Yes. Yes. The membership, you know, I kind of call it the proactive pet parent membership. And it's a lot of helpful tips to be proactive with your pet's health. You know, again, going back to nutrition and how easily that is to do. And if you have an interest in that, so you'll click on that link. If you have an interest in pet insurance, you can click on that. Um, But what I guess what I'm my future is to essentially become the Google of the pet world. So there's no longer Dr. Google and there's no longer, you know, the Facebook groups where you're asking someone's stranger danger. (laughs) Yeah. You have no idea what those people's level of experience is. Yeah. And all I really want to do is just guide them in the right direction. They have the right tools and it's, it's guided from a veterinary standpoint. It's not guided from just being a pet parent myself, but from being in the industry and knowing what you don't get typically when you go to the veterinary's office. Right. And I think another thing I was reading on your on your website, which is such a great point, is that those appointments are timed. And nowadays, most vets have a quota of how many appointments they need to see each day. So they cannot spend hours with you answering all these questions. Um, and that's another point that, you know, you bring up of the one of the benefits of the membership. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, from being in just being a tech in the appointments, like these pet parents have all these questions and I'm like, Ooh, like I got to keep the doctor, you know, in a pace and keep her on track. Like that's part of my job. And you also feel for those pet parents that are like, well, I just got this puppy. Like I don't understand. And then they are then released to Dr. Google and the Facebook world, um, which again can be helpful, but sometimes not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and this is no hate on, on the vets at all. I think it's just, you know, a problem with the system that we've created with all these like corporate vets offices where the vets care so much, but maybe way high up in corporate, they don't really understand how much care needs to be given. Oh yeah. I was trying to word that very carefully. (laughs) Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And it's funny, you know, you say I, I do work in the veterinary sales department. So um, supplements, I do still talk to the veterinary offices and I'm hearing all these different corporate companies coming in. And I'm like, so wait, who's that? Who are you now? Where did that come from? And it's, I'm curious to see where the veterinary world goes. Yeah. There's not so many like mom and pop, you know, independent vets anymore. No, no. And I think that's what they're missing. If this episode resonates with you and you'd like to network and connect with other like-minded women in the pet industry, 
The Wear Wag Repeat Society is now open for new members for a limited time. In this membership community, we have a new digital marketing theme each month, virtual co-working, Q&As, and more, all at a very low monthly rate. Membership only opens a few times a year. So learn more and become a member today at wearwagrepeat.com slash society. Okay, so you, you're helping pet parents and also I think helping vets offices um, because they just don't have the time often to answer all these questions. So it's it's really helpful on both of those ends. But another thing that I think is interesting about what you do is helping breeders with communication. And this is sort of a a hole in the marketplace that I just don't see a lot of people addressing. Um, you know, everyone is, you know, adopt, don't shop. And that's wonderful. I have one dog who's adopted, one dog from a breeder. And I'm sure working in vets offices, you see lots of people coming in with dogs from breeders. Um, and of course, there's the whole doodle craze and and all of that kind of stuff. So um, breeders are still very much a, a place that a lot of people go to find their dogs. So um, how are you helping breeders or, or what's what's kind of the, the problem that breeders are having that you're helping them with, I guess? Yes. So... In my opinion, it's the breeders, they have, they're juggling puppy applications. They are juggling um, communications via text, via email, via phone call, um, you know, running around answering and trying to do all the things and take care of the home life. So where I'm coming in is being an extra hand for them. Um, I'm not taking away the relationship with their client because that is very important to them. It's more so... Hey, I have these emails. Can you respond on my behalf? And I have the time and I love talking to pet parents that thrive off of that. Like they're about to get their new best friend and they want to ask all the questions. Um, so why not, you know, sit back a little bit, focus more on at home. Let me, you know, filter through your puppy applications for those people that are just kind of price shopping or, um, really not getting the breed for the right reason. Um, you know, that's the other thing too. So, so you're kind of helping the breeders, um, sort through the inquiries and see like, if someone just wants a Frenchie because it's like the cute popular dog, instead of someone who is going to be aware of the health challenges of Frenchies. Yes. Yes. And that kind of also goes into my head hunting for puppies. Yes. Um, tell us, tell us about this because this is such a fun kind of job title. It sounds like a dream job of, um, helping people find their ideal dog. What is the process for that? Like, yes. So it's really having the conversation with the pet owner and it's really interviewing them and saying like, Hey, what's your lifestyle? Like, what do you want? Do you want a Pomeranian, but you don't want to keep up with hair? Do you want a Yorkie, but you want a jogging partner? Um, you know, it's really spending that time and interviewing the pet owner and then finding them a reputable breeder or reputable shelter um, where they can get it from. Because honestly, I help a lot of family and friends with this kind of stuff. And recently online on Facebook, there's a lot of scammers out there. And it's knowing the right questions to ask to filter out the scammers as well. So I love 
headhunting for people and helping them find their their next furry friend. <laughs> is that something that is location specific or will you help people all over the country find dogs? Yeah, all over the country, help them find dogs. Um, you know, if anything, it's more of a challenge to hone in on their area and also find out what they're willing to do. Like, are they willing to ship a dog in? Are they willing to meet them halfway? Um, but yeah, anywhere I can help someone find a quality bred dog um, and not the backyard breeder. Yeah, I think it's so important. I think a lot of people can, can, um, have a hard time distinguishing who is a responsible breeder and who isn't. And, and I think that that, you know, that whole term of adopt, don't shop should be extended to like adopt and maybe shop responsibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think there are great breeders out there who, um, you know, if, if they are in it for the right reasons, they're breeding for optimal health, optimal disposition, uh, and all of that kind of stuff that uh, is important. Um, you know, we don't want those backyard breeders, dogs ending up in in shelters um, if they're going to, you know, many of them have health issues because those breeders don't know what they're doing or they're just being reckless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very unfortunate, you know, with me doing my deep dive into breeders, how many are, it's money, it's money to them, and they're not focusing on the quality. And then I get to have these really great quality conversations with these breeders that are like, I do it all. And I'm like, oh, you're my people. Like, I'm so, so excited and so proud of you. Like, good. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there are really great people out there. And at the end of the day, you know, pet parents, they, they want like the healthiest, happiest puppy possible. That's going to fit their lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. So do you have like a, a questionnaire? Do you do this over, over zoom or in person? How, what's the process of this headhunting thing? Yes. So first it starts off online. You know, you kind of set into your inquiry of what you're really looking for. And then of course we can zoom or we could just have the phone conversation on the phone regularly. Um, but that's the main bulk of it is really just having that conversation and really getting to know each other and what's, what they can benefit from. And so this is a service that you offer. So do you mind if I ask how much do you charge for puppy head hunting? <laughs> <laughs> so it is on my website. Um, it is, uh, $60. And as of right now, that's kind of where I'm starting and probably looking to increase that price come the new year because of how in-depth it is um, and the time that I'm spending with the owner and the breeders of trying to find who who is best for them. So. Yeah. No, that's that's so interesting. And thanks for sharing that and being transparent with it. Um, I bet it is a lot more work than you thought it was when you thought of it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's, it's fun, but you also, you got to get paid for the time that you're putting in, um, you know, reality and just giving them the best, you know, experience too. you know, they, they can still be involved in helping me find and, you know, asking me questions and, and seeing what's best. For yeah. Everybody. Well, and I think, you know, just keeping people informed, you know, just to circle back to the services that you provide for breeders, um, I think it's so important. I think that it, just to generalize, it seems to me like the breeding 
community is a little behind the times in technology. Uh, so, you know, scheduling out like an email welcome sequence, like here, welcome to life with your new puppy. It seems like that's something that nobody is doing. Um, but is that something that you're kind of helping them with? Like basically onboarding new puppy parents? Basically. Yeah, definitely onboarding them, um, creating that relationship and really just setting them up for success before they even get to the vet. Because again, like the first puppy visit is overwhelming for the pet owner because what they're getting from the breeder versus what they're getting at the veterinary hospital is slightly different. And again, overwhelming, you're getting a lot all at once. So being able to kind of take that time and have that conversation with them and just being able to answer every question for them too is highly important. So, yeah. Is there a breed that you seem to focus on, uh, in most of the clients that you work with? Not necessarily. Um, I think what's populating a lot on my feed is a lot of French bulldogs and a lot of doodles, a lot of doodles are are coming up. So I'm communicating a lot with them, but I'm definitely open to working with any breeder, with any dog. Um, there's always something to learn and different ways to support them as well. Well, and, and I, you know, we say doodles as kind of like an overarching term, but there's like, you know, Berna doodles and labradoodles. And there's like so many different like sub genres of a doodle. So I feel like there's just, it's a huge area. Yes. Yes. It's definitely booming with, um, popularity. And again, that can be a good thing and a bad thing because for that, for that breeder that's looking for money, they're like, this is what's hot. This is what we're going to do right now. And then it's not, it's not going to work in the long run because of why they're doing it. Yeah. Well, and it's even more important for, you know, I, I, it seems to me in general, a lot of doodle owners are first time dog owners, um, or it's like younger people who, you know, in their early twenties who are, who are specifically looking for doodles and they might not know the red flags of what to look for. Um, what are some of the red flags that you would look for to steer people away from a, a bad breeder? Um, not giving you a lot of information. So I feel like a good breeder is going to be like, Hey, check out my Facebook page or check out my website. Um, there's a lot of information there, or I'll get on the phone with you. A lot of them will, the, the not so good breeder is just going to kind of be like, yeah, they're due in October and they're $600. Um, and I, it's, the price doesn't always dictate the quality, but usually if they are a lot of money, there's a reason for it. And that's because the breeder's putting a lot of money into the dog and into the testing um, and the bloodline and the quality of the dog. So, you know, if you think it's too much money for $2,000, then you really need to reevaluate why you're getting a dog mm-hmm. um, and what kind of dog that is too. Mm-hmm. Or, or make sure that they are doing the testing if they're charging yes. that much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And we, I have a great episode with Julie Swan, um, the honest breeder who, if you don't know her, you guys should know each other. Um, but we did an episode uh, specifically about pricing. Um, and that was, I'll figure it out. I'll put it in the show notes, what number that was, but that's another interesting conversation. We don't, 
we don't often talk about breeders on this podcast, but, um, you know, I do have one, Lucy is from a breeder, um, and her breeder is really involved in all the puppies lives and keeps in touch with everybody. And Lucy's 10 years old now. Um, and I'm still in touch with her all the time. So, uh, it is nice when you find those people who really care. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, that's, you know, when I'm talking to breeders about my services, they first get a little pushed back um, because they feel that I'm going to take over. Um, and that's not the point. Um, the point is really to add value to what they already have and to really help them on top of what they are already doing. Um, and some of these breeders, they do have some pretty awesome Instagram pages and they seem like they're doing like really well. Um, but maybe behind the scenes, they do need help. So I do try to make that a a point to them that I don't want to take away from your communications because that is important in business and building relationships. So it's just that that extra help for sure. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's hard these days. And you, you mentioned earlier how you know, they might be getting messages on Facebook and Instagram and email and text. And then there's a contact form on their website. Where the heck does that even go to? Like, you know, that you're just getting messages in so many places. So um, it is, it sounds like a really great idea to have someone to kind of intercept that and just forward you the ones that matter. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So one other thing I, I want to ask you about um, is your own dogs. Um, so obviously Scarlett Joe, who your business is named after, lives with you. Uh, and you have two other dogs, uh, correct? <laughs> well, probably since since I filled it out. Total, I have five dogs. Oh, you have five dogs. Well, tell us about your fur family um, and how they all came into your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there was Primrose. She is my Brussels Griffon and I did get her from a breeder in Alabama. Um, actually picked her up myself in Tennessee and we flew back together to New Jersey. So that was fun. That was my first flight with a dog. Um, again, from working in the veterinary industry, I, that's where I found out about Brussels. I didn't even know they existed. So I was like, I love this dog. I love this breed. I would like one. So that's where she came from. Um, my French bulldog came from another breeder, um, locally to me. And she was actually a dog. She was the mom dog. So she gave birth and they're like, she's up for adoption. Would you like to adopt her or a puppy? And I'm like, let's go with the mom dog. So she's super sweet. Um, then we have Sheldon. He is a Yorkshire terrier. And he was my mom's. Um, she had a lot on her plate. So I picked him up and brought him into my furry family. Of course, Scarlett Joe um, picked her up from the veterinary office that I was working at. And then Lady is our new pit bull as of probably a couple months now. She was at the shelter I was working at. And so I'm the foster coordinator. And, you know, my job is to kind of go through the shelter, see who's there who needs to get out, um, you know, foster, adopt, whatever. And I saw her and she was kind of like dragging her back end. And I'm like, why is she dragging her back end? Like, that's so weird. So I go into her cage and I'm like picking up her hind end and I'm playing with her. And she seemed to be walking fine, but I'm like, oh, this dog can't be in here. So I take her home and then fall in love with her. 
we take her to University of Penn to find out like what's wrong with her back end and um, come to find it was an old injury. Uh, she's probably about a year. So an old injury that both of her knees were like cracked and they said it's pretty much healed now. So just keep her, the doctor said, supermodel thin. <laughs> so it creates less weight on her joints um, and just make sure she doesn't tear around the yard and tear her ACL or any other ligaments. So she was my foster fail. <laughs> and she's a little special needs. Does she get around? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's totally fine. She's on her glucosamine supplement and um, she's, you wouldn't even know she has an injury. Thank goodness. So it's honestly trying to keep her calm. So she doesn't re-injure herself. Yeah. Is the pickle. Work hard <laughs> with a one-year-old pit bull. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Well, so. it sounds like you have every size. You go from little to large. I do. Yes. And thankfully they all get along. Um, and it's just one big little happy family. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awesome. And, and you have a nine month old human baby. Yes. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> why, why not? You know, we don't have enough going on. No. No. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, I had Susan Kogut on. She's the president of Petco Love, um, their charitable foundation. She was just awesome to talk to, but she inspired me to foster to, to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a foster dog mom. Okay. This year <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I've put it out there. I'm telling everyone so you guys can hold me accountable. Um, but I want to do this before the end of the year, but I'm just scared because I have two dogs already. Um, so what advice do you have for me to become a foster dog mom? What, what do I need to know? What should I expect? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So when I have this type of situation, um, you know, trying to find someone that already has dogs in the house, it's really dog testing what I have in the shelter and knowing what is, um, compatible. Um, you know, sometimes we don't like, they'll just come into the shelter and we don't know their personality. And honestly, because they're going through so much change, it's hard to even tell. So how they are in the shelter will also change when they're with you. So granted, if we get a lab in, you kind of know their demeanor off the bat. But if you get a pit bull mix in, you don't know where they came from. And granted, that could have been like any breed of dog. I don't mean to just point out the pit bulls because, you know, I got one. She's a sweetheart. Um, so just they like to do dog meets. So make sure you go wherever to do a dog meet with your dogs. Make sure everybody gets along, um, get ready to fall in love. And, um, you know, it's, it's so rewarding. I'm actually fostering a puppy right now. <laughs> so, so I got six, six in my house. There's six at your house. <laughs> um, so it's, it's knowing what's compatible with your dog, knowing your dog's personalities, um, you know, having a space for them to decompress. So, you know, make sure you have a cage, make sure you have a quiet space to just let them be in a new environment um, and lots of love and have fun. It's meant to be fun. 
<laughs> well, hearing that you have five dogs and then you're fostering like a sixth one, it just like, I'm like, well, I only have two. So, you know, that's nothing. <laughs> exactly. You got this. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, in my, I just have to rearrange a little bit and, and set up a little kennel crate area, um, so that everyone can have their space, but I've been doing some research. There's some rescues here in Pittsburgh that are hundred percent foster rescues. Um, so I think that might be a good option. Um, because it seems to me, maybe this is incorrect assumption, but some of the dogs who are in the shelter who need fostered, uh, they just are so stressed um, by the shelter environment and they're maybe reactive to other dogs. And it might be a more difficult fit for someone who already has two at home. I, but maybe that's I'm making an assumption about that. <laughs> um, you're right, um, but not 100 percent. So, yes. Some dogs handle shelter life just fine. Um, some dogs lose it. So we had some German shepherds, some high anxiety dogs that lose it. Um, and then we have like, I went up to this one kettle and there's toys. Like they have like a canine enrichment in the shelter. And she go grab, she goes to grab her toy and she brings it over to me at the door. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like you already know she's a sweetheart. Like just by her demeanor in the cage. And then there's dogs playing with balls in there. Like the the noise doesn't even phase them. So you really just need to know and be comfortable with what you're bringing into your home. So it is 50 50, honestly. Yeah. You need to know the reason why they are looking to foster instead of keeping them in house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to see if it's a good fit. All right. Well, I'm excited. Everyone stay tuned. Uh, I don't know when this is going to happen. And my family is probably going to be like, what are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting. But I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to do it because it just it seems like it can make a huge impact. uh, And and, you know, it's it's just really important in setting these puppies up for success or adult dogs, even setting them up for success with their forever homes. Yep, which is exactly what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Amanda, tell everyone where can they learn more about Scarlet Joe's redemption and all the cool things that you offer? Yeah. So there's scarletjoesredemption.com. That will lead you to my own podcast, my Instagram, my Facebook. I have a TikTok that I don't really keep up with. <laughs> um, and then my online course um, membership and the headhunter. So, that is all available on my website. Yep. Come, come find me. Come let's have a chat. Let's talk. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, you're, you're so creative in the ideas that you have. Um, but it's all rooted in just really helping people and their pets. So, uh, it's been such a great pleasure to talk to you and learn about it all. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks again for being here and for chatting with us. Yes. Thank you. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or 
Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.